The Debatable Podcast is available at debatablepodcast.tumblr.com and iTunes. On Twitter, we are DebatablePod, and I am Mr. Greggles, M-I-S-T-R-G-R-E-G-G-L-E-S. I also have another podcast called All the Pieces Matter that I co-host with Fernando Madrigal. All the Pieces Matter is a retrospective podcast on HBO's The Wire. We are located on iTunes as well and wirepod.tumblr.com. On Twitter, we are wire underscore podcast and both the debatable podcast and all the pieces matter are available on actionagogo.com. So go check out those sites, give us feedback, send us questions and comments, and enjoy today's show. Big too, but I mean there is some big stuff. But I guess I mean they're younger, so I'm I'm the older one in that in that group. So do you feel kind of left out because your proclivities are to to like a, a wider range of film? No, I don't feel left out. I feel like they should join me. Gotcha. <laughs> I feel like so their hey, their interest is narrower than yours. Yeah, that's how I okay. mean it. <laughs> They're being into superhero movies. Am I guessing right? <coughs> the geek movies? 
Yes, and I don't have a problem with those. I like those, but it's not everything. Sure. There's a lot of good ones, and then there's the DC ones. Yes. Did you... What do you think about Jared Leto's um, Joker? I have no problem with the man before being in the movie, but man, does that look so stupid. <laughs> Since that picture got released yesterday, and, and for anyone who's listening that doesn't know, is a picture of him highly adorned in, in tattoos and uh, looking like uh, he is um, Macaulay Culkin, all grown up from, from Home Alone. Um, he's got grills. He's got grills. Yeah. yeah, I hate to say that it's been overexposed in 24 hours, but if I see one more fucking Everywhere. retweet... I, I, I'm already kind of down on seeing the movie just because of that. I think it's done the exact opposite that they wanted to do. Yeah. Like, I'm not excited for it anymore. Nope. Let me ask you something. Why? Like, how did you get interested in... In films, is that like, it's like like movies and media? Is that something that you know you had an older brother or a father or someone got you turned on to, or how did that exploration start for you? Uh, man, it was a mixture of both of my parents. Probably, probably leans hev- more heavily on my father. Uh-huh. Um, my parents were divorced. Like they got divorced like when I was a baby, so I was always two houses. Right. But my like my, my mom liked movies, so I'd watch movies when I was over there. And then especially when I was at my dad's, like you know, I have fond memories of us like back when Hollywood videos and blockbusters mm-hmm. still existed. Like going there, like renting three movies, watching them all. Oh, it's eleven o'clock. Let's yeah. go get some more. Nice, <laughs> like, nice, nice. Yeah, like I mean, I remember. <laughs> We, I made my dad rent Back to the Future like 20 times. Oh, yes. I don't know why we never bought the movie. <laughs> That's what I was like. I don't, I don't get it. I was just like, Dad, I was like, I talked to him now. I'm just like, I made you rent that movie so many yeah. times. Why did we Paid never more buy than it? you probably would ever? Yeah. Right? That's the tape rental uh, generation, man. I remember us uh, doing the same for, for movies, renting like Rambo over <laughs> and over and over again. Yeah, definitely. I I miss video stores. It was nice just to be able to like, even if you didn't get anything. Yeah. I just liked being able to walk around, mm-hmm. look at what's there, mm-hmm. you know, take my time, be like, oh, what's yep. this random movie I've never heard of? Yep. Let's get it. And fantastic box art, which they they don't do anymore, even for DVDs. DVDs look like like shit compared to the way yeah. they did back in the eighties and nineties. And there used to be a more like heavier. Uh, like especially with the birth of like DVDs, once they started getting special editions out, like yep. they would spend so much time in making them full of stuff. Yeah, the artwork was always amazing. They come with booklets. Uh-huh. Like the whole thing was uh, like a package in itself. Right. Like it never happens anymore. <laughs> no, not at all. So why do you lean? Why do you feel like you lean a little more out of? You know, when I when I talk to cinephiles, when I talk to people that are you know in, in my same wheelhouse. A lot of us don't just we're not we, we don't have a ne- necessarily a, a narrow fandom. It's very much like absorbing anything and everything. Well, I mean that is definitely that is definitely me. Mm-hmm. I don't like specifically go to like no just art houses. Yeah, it's everything. Yeah. I don't like when people ask me what kind of movies I like. I said I like movies that are good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like that's the only I, like. Qualification right. I have is like if it's good, I'm gonna like it. It could be a musical, it could be a romance, it could be mm-hmm. comedy, it could be a comic book movie, yep. or like anything in between. There, it's just uh, as I have gotten older, I think I am tending to search out the more obscure ones more. Right. 
because I know what I'm getting when I go to a Blockbuster. Right. Sometimes they can deliver extremely well. A lot of times they don't. It's true. It's true. And especially nowadays, like, if you look back to, like, when I was growing up, I feel like, well, maybe not specifically, but the movies I watched when I was growing up, which were the blockbusters of, like, the 80s, like, they were good movies still. Like, they're still, yeah. like, Back to the Future, Raiders, the Star Wars movies, like, they're all great. But now it's just the Transformers. It's, yeah, you know, it's all spectacle. Yeah, Definitely. there's nothing to it. Yeah. It's very much junk food. Like, as I watch these movies now, like, there's still, there are still great movies, but when I think about, like, what is the really um, popular uh, output of Hollywood, um, the the 90% that is, you know, falls off of that cream, um, that 90% of movies is a lot of just spectacle, escapist entertainment. The Transformers. Yeah. Even the superhero movies, for the most part, and there are great ones. I mean, Captain America, Winter Soldier is fantastic. I, I really enjoyed Guardians as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the first Absolutely. Avengers. Like, Absolutely. I mean, but then, you know, then there's the Iron Man 2s. <laughs> yeah, you get a bunch of movies that I feel like are a little lesser than... And, like, little me- me- I have given Marvel tons of crap before, but, like, honestly, they're doing it right. They're pretty oh, yeah. consistent. Oh yeah, like they're they're very consistent. Yeah. They're usually enjoyable movies. Some of them are better than others, yeah. but uh, got their outlook. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a lot, and it's becoming more. But it's not just Marvel's fault that it's becoming more. It's yeah. every studio is like, hey, they did it well. Let's right. do it now right. too. That's exactly what DC's doing now with uh, oh, Batman yeah. versus Superman and kind of trying to build that Justice League and all that. They're trying to do the exact same formula. They're just rushing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's They're what not it is. Spending any time. Yeah, that's the what it is. The second movie in their like franchise is a Batman and Superman movie. Yep, going right into it. Yeah. Absolutely. And they're going to be introducing, you know, they want to introduce these things that might become larger franchises, but yeah, I I get this feeling constantly that it's just slapdash just so they can compete with uh, Marvel. And then like think like <clears throat> studios and like franchises that shouldn't have like why is there going to be a Ghostbusters universe yeah yeah it's why why does that necessary. need to be slow? yeah why does that need to be rehashed and 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 built out yeah let's get down to brass tacks okay all right sean is here because um i i admire your taste in things um we had you yeah. and your podcast uh, uh fellows uh on from uh what is what is the i always remember the the website, which was K- is a KTL LKT LKT Towson, yeah. But the name of the podcast is Hollywood Huddle, Huddle. yes. And uh, Hollywood Huddle joined us for the pod crawl, the Alien Predator pod crawl that we did some months ago. And uh, I really do like the the podcast that you guys do. And I, also, Matt Bainbridge was on the podcast uh, about a year ago. And um, it's weird how all these people that went to Towson or are living in Baltimore or whatever, that there's so much overlap, especially in that cinephile community. Because I didn't know Matt when I went to, to Towson, but, I, but my friend who was there a couple of years after had Matt as a, as a teacher. And when you find out, like, this person knows this person, and all of a sudden I know that you know friends of mine, you know uh, Matt, so there's kind of that community aspect to it online, that social networking thing. Yeah, Matt's great. I, when I first started going to school, he wasn't there, but when I went back, he had started teaching, and... Uh, Oh, man, his his classes are fantastic, mm-hmm. but yeah. uh, I think he instantly took a. Uh, I, I mean, I think he likes me. Think, so. think, always think. <laughs> I, 
can only I, I'm pretty sure it does. Um, but uh, I I felt vindicated in his class because at the end of the at the end of her uh, film one class, he said he handed out like a list of uh, movies that you should see and like uh, directors nice. and stuff. Nice. And because uh, he he prefaced it by saying like here's a list you know you guys should all watch these because none of you are watching enough movies except for maybe Sean. Yeah. Right so on. I got right singled out as a person that make who, you feel good. And I was like, yes, because I, I distinctly remember in that class, every time you'd be like, Did, has, have you people seen this? And I'd be like the only yeah. one who puts my hand up, like being like maybe two other people. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. No, that's good, man. I love, nice, yeah. I, love, I, love, I love knowing like, uh, like uh, fellow um, cinephiles that are going through their own exploration. Because I, I see the stuff that you're you know, watching on Letterboxd. I see the stuff that you kind of like talk about. Uh, recently, Kumiko, the treasure hunter, we were talking about. Fantastic. And, yeah, a couple other really uh, great movies that I, I I like your your taste in. And on top of that, man, I mean, like you are, you know, you obviously are um, focusing also on the the brunt of media because I see that you're really enjoying probably this this heyday of uh, TV that we're in right now. <laughs> TV is insane yeah for like right now like i mean for the last few years mm-hmm. it has been absolutely <clears throat> um my relationship with tv i didn't really watch it that much say maybe six years ago right um you know i like i think i, I watched like the office and 30 rock mm-hmm. when they were on but i can't think of maybe it was lost that sucked me in yeah because I think I remember I watched all five seasons that had aired leading up to the final because mm-hmm. all of my friends had watched it. Right. And I was like, well, we can all watch it together. And from there, it was just like, oh, Breaking Bad's on. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Mad Men's on. Yeah. Uh, what else? And then, I mean, then I just went back and went through all of HBO's catalog. It's like HBO, FX, <laughs> AMC. And I mean, like, we keep talking about this on, on the show. We keep talking about, like, how overly saturated it is. But the problem is that there's so much good saturation that yeah, it's hard it's not, to keep up with. It's not saturation in a bad way. Yeah. Like it, there's literally too much good yeah. television yeah. to keep up with. I I don't honestly know how I do it. Yeah, <laughs> I watch a lot of television. Are now, you are ne- like Netflix? Right, oh. full seasons. Yeah, exactly. And I'm just like, how do I stay on top exactly. of all this? Exactly. You used to be like spurs to you a little bit like a like a drug, but now you can watch the whole goddamn thing at once, like yeah. Daredevil and all that. Let me ask you: Do you feel like you uh, are an early adopter at all? Do you watch something that's a first season, or do you usually wait until there's a a uh, buzz or a friend of yours says this is really good? Check it out. Uh, I, I would say I've become a first adopter. Yeah. I definitely wasn't at the start, like, excuse me, um, Mad Men and Breaking, Breaking Bad I didn't start watching live until season four, um, Mad Men was season five, um, but a lot of shows, uh, more recently I have picked up on right from the start, um, mostly anything HBO has been putting out. Yeah, sure. I'll watch from the start, because they're track, I watched Walking Dead from the start, mm-hmm. I don't really like Walking Dead. But I keep watching it. <laughs> is it an obligation? Do you feel like you need to... Here's... My relationship with The Walking Dead is... Every once in a while... It's really good. Yeah, yeah. It, Like, the beginning of this last season... The first, like, three episodes... I was like, oh man, this is awesome. Yeah. And then I just got back into its standard ho-hum... Nonsense. <laughs> and I... But, like... I don't know. I can't 
not watch it for some reason. I yeah. can't like justify. I was like, I, I was like, I. But you're watched. waiting for that moment, right? Yeah, I mean, I wait for that payoff, and then it also like, I've watched this far. Right. I might as well watch till it right. ends. Right. No, I'm with you. It has to take. It has to take a lot for a show. Uh, like a show has to get really terrible for me to stop watching. Have you done it. that? Can, can you can you name check anything that you've done that with? That you uh, just jumped off of. I watched Glee for a while, actually. <laughs> Man, that show went downhill fast. We were. Um, my, I my, lasted for a while too. My I girlfriend think. loves that show, and we were talking about this. This article that was on the AV Club, I think, talking about how that show, when it started, was a particular type type of commodity, but then it became something where you know they had had to think. How are we going to merchandise this? How are we going to merchandise the songs? You know what? Yeah. The se- <laughs> the seasons and the stories were built around how are we going to merchandise this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I uh, I think I stopped that show in season three, and then um, I can't remember the actor's name, but the actor died. Oh yeah, that guy. The, yeah, and I yeah. think I caught up. So I could see what they how they handled his death. Uh-huh. Then I watched like an episode after that, and I was like, "This show is terrible." Yeah, but yeah. I was like, "I'm done." Yeah, yeah. And I have not gone back. Um, that's the one that comes to mind the most. I can't. Uh, it's, I mean, there are other television shows I've stopped watching, but I never really liked them from the start. Right, right. Um, Bates Motel was the one that I had a lot of hope for and I hear that it's gotten better but that first season was just brutal to try to get through I still watch Space Mattel my reaction to it is anything dealing with drugs is not good yeah I really like the Norman and yes. Norma relationship yeah, yeah. stuff and yeah, they yeah. have focused more on that in later seasons yeah, especially yeah. the newest one yeah has been mostly about that which it's like I what, prefer it's like watching that first season and it's funny that we're going to be talking about a show that has this guy in it but J.R. Burns as soon as he mm-hmm. showed up towards the end of the first season I was like yeah, I love this fucking show but it was just that arc that arc of like four or five episodes that he was in right yeah J.R. Burns known for among other things many other things uh, for being in Justified and that's one of the shows we're going to talk about today because Wynn we're Duffy. Wynn Duffy himself. We were talking about like coming up with ideas of of things, and and we're kind of in this perfect little limbo right now because FX, one of those networks, just like AMC and HBO, are just putting out so many great shows, and they've been keeping up that that for a, a while, going back to the Shield, probably for uh, probably uh, near a decade. They've been doing stuff. FX is. The majority of the shows that they put on mm-hmm. are excellent. <laughs> Absolutely. And we're coming right at the end. Uh, Justified just ended uh, completely series finale. Yeah. And uh, we also were talking about something that, that is currently running, which is The Americans. And that season finale just happened this week when we were recording right. this. Now, it's interesting to compare these two series in a way because one of them, I think is a very solid show that has a lot of goodwill, especially uh, from critics now. It's a good, entertaining show, and that's justified. Yes. I think it's a solid show. The other one is very typically that slow burn, um, really well-made, well-acted, well-written um, 
favorite fan favorite that's in that ilk of the wire and the and breaking bad that's probably going to be in the long run a masterpiece that people are going to be talking about would you agree it feels that way doesn't it feel like that right now i mean it's got it's got all those factors working for it especially considering in the fact that like nobody watches it yeah critics love it and nobody watches it isn't that true of like every great show though yes <laughs> let me let me ask you something. So when you when we talk about like splitting hairs and getting down to my new show about what the difference is between a a justified and an Americans, when you talk about these two types of series, like it's it's like comparing like what Game of Thrones is right now or or The Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like it's comparing like really plot heavy, um, uh, entertaining junk food almost to a show that like like we said is very much kind of transcending almost the medium it's in. Right. I mean the Americans are tackling stuff like on such an interesting and deep level that yeah. I mean Justified has never gone near, but it never needed to. Yeah. Yeah. It was great for what it was. Yeah. Like I, I view it as Justified even like in its weaker uh seasons, five mainly, mm-hmm. uh it's always fun to watch. That show yes. is always yeah. fun. Yeah. And the Americans, like, I, there's no television show on right now that makes me feel the way I do when I watch that show. Yeah. It's a, it's a weird feeling a lot of the times. Yeah. But I, I love it because there's nothing else like it. It's so deeply layered. Can I ask you, how old are you, Sean? I am 24. Okay, you're 24. So what is that? When was your, when were you born? You were... 90. 90. Uh, do you have siblings? I have an older stepbrother and two younger half-brothers. Okay. Do you have a lot of frame of reference of the 80s at all? Like, of the, of that Cold War time at all? Not really. Yeah. Not just, like, like only things I would hear from, like, my friends, but then they were, you know, kids during that time sure. period. So sure. it's mainly just, like, I watched He-Man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. When you get when you get down to it, like the, the pop culture of the time is what we keep coming back to. Like you mentioned, Ghostbusters. That's the you know Ghostbusters and Indiana Jones and all that shit mm-hmm. is really kind of like the '80s for a lot of people. I I remember. I think so much of watching the Americans for me is because my dad is a uh, a, a Ukrainian who came over in 1950. Um, my my life has been kind of. Uh, Split between his interests and in politics, he was a hardcore Reaganite in the in the eighties. Um, he was vastly anti-communist, and during the Cold War, I mean, especially in the eighties, there's so much of that show that captures the tone and the mood of that. And also on top of that, my dad worked for the government. So there was this, you know, Stan Beeman-esque right. quality to my dad, uh, who's play, uh, Stan Beeman's played by Noah Emmerich, right? Correct. So that's what I get from it, kind of the tone. But on the other side of that coin with, with Justified, like, let's talk a little bit about um, what is the enticing thing what what is the thing that that attracted you to it when you first saw it? Was it was Justified. it Timothy Oliphant? Yeah, was it what was it? Justified. I distinctly remember um, it was started because uh, I've watched it since the first season, um, but I didn't watch all the first season live. I watched a 
pilot live, and mm-hmm. I think like the, maybe the next couple episodes, right? And they got a little a little distracted because I was like, it's not going to be serialized, right? It's going to be, a, it, but then standalone I, by, episodes. Yeah, by the time the season ended, I heard like you know it's gotten more serialized. The last couple episodes were outstanding, so I I jumped back into it and I've been watching it ever since. But um, I think the main thing that drew me into that is I remember seeing, I remember hearing that it was well reviewed. It was about to start. And it was Elmore Leonard that I think about that. (laughs) But the uh, the main draw to me was uh, Elmore Leonard being who they like. It was his short stories that this character was based off of. Because by that point, I mean I'd I'd seen Jackie Brown get Shorty out of sight, and I love all of those. Oh yeah, and I've read a few of his books as well. Yes. He's a fantastic crime writer. Right. Like, and his dialogue just flows and snaps, and that's immediately what I liked about the pilot of that show. Yeah. And he's it, got that, that quirk to his, uh, to his writing, to his dialogue. There's a cadence, and the uh-huh. way they're delivered by Oliphant and Walton Goggins. Oh, yeah. Like, no one sounds better delivering his Not words. Not at all. Yeah. It, it reminds me kind of like, uh, like Deadwood and everything like that. Those, those shows that are kind of built around almost a, a, um, a poetic uh, temper, temperament Very about much. it. Yeah. Did you, did you, uh, were you attracted at all um, beyond the, the Elmore Leonard thing to, because it seems to me like what's really unique about it is that it's kind of playing with a national or, or a societal understanding of what the Midwest is or what rednecks are or what yeah. white trash is like besides Witcher's <laughs> Bone I think the only I think this is the only show right. that's really kind of explored being in a really close-knit southern community and kind of the the, the Dixie Mafia when you talk about like right. mafia everyone says Italian Mafia or the Russian Mafia you immediately have these things come to mind but that that that's that part of that community is really engrossing to me. That is, uh, I mean, it didn't draw me in um, to like watch the show mm-hmm. initially, right. but it became one of the things that I loved about that show is yeah. the setting and the world. And uh, yeah, I mean, I uh, I mean, I grew up in Maryland in the country, so I grew up around rednecks, but probably not as as. Uh, as specific as the ones that were <laughs> featured on uh, on Justified, I don't remember coming across any Nazis. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting around here, man. I I do remember growing up that uh, there were um, some skinheads on our on our block, and it's interesting around here. Uh, being in like PG County, you get like a lot of. Um, we we grew up with a lot of majority African American uh, community, majority African American uh, schools, school system, and everything. Right. But uh, man, there were there were definitely some some fellows down there, <laughs> some good old boys. I yeah, I didn't have anyone too extreme in my <laughs> neck of the woods. Did you grow up around? Uh, I what? grew up in uh, Woodbine in uh, Western Howard County, like five minutes from Carroll. Gotcha. And like ten from Frederick, and mm-hmm. ten from uh, Montgomery. Mm-hmm. Like I was. Is it a very rich part of Howard County? But then if you went like two miles over, it was a very poor part of Howard right, County. Right, right, right. Um, but that's where my mom lived. My dad has always lived in the Towson area, so gotcha. it's been kind of, you know, urban and uh, country yeah, back right. and forth. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, 
the thing that I always go back to with, with uh, Justified is that we keep talking about how it's a solid show, but I think part of the thing that that and it never aspired to try to be this fucking transcendent masterpiece. Like we keep no. talking about how it's you know it it tried to always be entertaining at the at first. You know, try to be... absolutely. Um, I mean, I think the peak season of that show is two. I agree. And that is the one that does get, I think, the deepest and, yes. and strive for the highest, mainly because of the Bennett family and yeah. Mag specifically. Absolutely. Her and her entire storyline that, that season is one of the best um like one of the best villains probably in recent years. Oh yeah. It's oh yeah. It's great. Um It's really well plotted. I mean coming off of the first season which we said, you know, you, of course you have Boyd in there in that pilot, but I think right. you start realizing very quickly that that first season, whenever Boyd isn't around, which is most of the fucking season, yeah. uh, it, 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 it's lacking. And then going into the second season, I mean, making it more serialized, first of all, that's great. That's much better. It's much easier to get enveloped in that. Yes. That's, I mean, especially for me, I... I guess I don't have anything really against procedurals. I just... It's not for me. Yeah. I just... I can't invest enough... Like, I don't... There's so much other things yeah. <laughs> that, like, investing my time in something that's going to repeat itself. Right. Week Be to case week. of the week type thing. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's not as appealing to me. Yeah, I got you. Just because, uh, you know, we haven't done this yet, we should say that we probably are going to be talking about spoilers. So if you are, if you if you're not up on Justified and you are and you want to be, or you're not up on Americans and you want to be, don't listen. If you don't care about spoilers, feel free. Um, but yeah, the second season I think is probably its strongest, and then it becomes kind of emblematic of where it is with its um, with its aspirations. I thought in season three, we're creating a character, uh, Robert Quarles. Yes. Uh, who I can't remember the actor's name. Um, Blonde hair dude. I um, I think his last name is McDonough, but I McDon- Neil McDonough. Neil McDonough, yeah. What a fucking fantastic character. Yes. But <laughs> you know the thing that this is the, the 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 pattern of of Justified became creating wonderful characters, emblematic characters, and great dialogue. But for me, this is just my opinion, I feel like it's always missed that potential of that character or of that, that, that season arc. What they could have done with, with, a, with a Quarles, what they could have done with Limehouse, what they could have done with a, a bunch of... Season 3 in particular, I think that is a problem because season 3 is so stuffed. Mm-hmm. You have Quarles, you have Limehouse, when Duffy's a bigger presence in yeah. 3... You still have Boyd and you have Raylan. Yeah. That is so much going yeah, on yeah. in one season of television. Yeah, yeah. I think they reserve. I like. I think they held out the best characterization and like full of story arcs for mainly just for Raylan and Boyd. Yeah, they they didn't really. They would step into it with like there was a, um there's an episode in season three. I can't remember which one where you get a hint. That Quarles is maybe molesting a, a guy in a bathroom? Yeah. 
And I was like, what the hell was exactly. that? And I was just like, that would have been interesting if they could have explored it a little more. Yeah. But they introduced it very late in the game, and, you know, who knows, three episodes later, he's getting his arm cut exactly. off in a barn. Like, exactly. And it, it just never felt like... When, when they talk about, like... The, okay, the worst examples of serialization in my recent memory, and I'm, I'm just doing a quick aside here, is like Dexter. Dexter was a show that started with with great characters and a great arc. Uh, then it had it suffered from a disease um, like a race uh, like a dry erase board. We're gonna erase and start over every season. By the end of the second season, it seemed like there were gonna be elements that affected Dexter as a main character, but. It, it's almost like they erased it and started over again from the beginning the next season. Dexter's, I think, the biggest mistake they did was doing season two, the storyline that they did. Mm-hmm. Doing the Bay Harbor Butcher, which was the hunt for Dexter himself yeah. in the second season of yeah, the yeah. show. Yeah, yeah. Man, that show went off the rails. <laughs> yeah, it did. It did. But when I think about that, it's like, there's a, there's a pacing and longevity to great characters. Like, um, the the shooter Boone in this last season, yes, is so so well fleshed out. And even though he's you know they only have this much time with this character this season, man, did he have spotlight moments? Man, did he have spotlight sequences? To be uh, I, that is the one I, I am constantly amazed by that. Even if you know they're not able to flesh out someone entirely, yeah. They're able to give every character that they cast usually a standout scene, if not multiple standout scenes. Like, that Boone character, who's introduced in, like, episode 10, so he's in, like, four episodes, like... He's was, like... he. I was like, I really like this guy. I was like, this is a great foil to Raylan. And, you know, they just introduced him because Garrett Dillahunt wasn't available anymore. Exactly. You got this dangerous character that kind of takes the... The um the torch from uh, from uh, uh, Garrett Dillahunt and his crew of mercenaries, right. but yeah, no, I think this what's so emblematic is having these characters like Win Duffy, like uh, Boone, um, like Choo Choo, having these characters that are so um, memorable and they have such a spotlight. But then I always felt like with with characters, with other characters like Limehouse, that could have been a, a grander kind of, you know, let's explore a little more of this world. He was always a background character. He was always brought in to move a plot forward. Limehouse is definitely the character, I think, that got the least done with him. Yeah. You, they set him up in season three like it was going to be a much bigger deal. And then he stayed around for the other season. But yeah, he yeah. only showed back up for minor minor scenes with just like Ava needs him, needs him to do this for her. Exactly. Like he was never really used effectively after season three, even for like the little bit they did use him in three. What do you think of Ava as a character? Were you invested in her at all? Um, in Maybe even in the same way that you were with Boyd and Raylan? I, de- I definitely like Ava. Um, I never had a problem with Ava. This last season, I was starting to get slightly annoyed with her back and forth. Yeah. Um, I was to pick the side... Sure. Who you're like? I mean, I guess at the end, the end of the day, she was out for herself. Right. But I kept feeling like I was just like, all right, she says she's with Boyd now, so I believe her. She's Do it. With Boyd yeah, now. Exactly. But, and then she, no, she's with Raylan. Or right. no, no, she's back to Boyd now. Right. Like I was right. like, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 
What do you think is, um, I gotta say, in the moment of watching season five, I was not disappointed in watching it, but in retrospect, it's th- that's that season that everyone quotes as being the, 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 not the laziest, but the most lacking. Yes. Why do you think that is? Like, that's the, that's the season with, uh... The Crows. The Crows, right. Yeah, um... Michael Rappaport and company. I believe he is probably my main reason for that. Is it his acting? Yeah. <laughs> I like Michael Rappaport, too. Yeah. But he has this, like, he can do a specific thing, and he can do that specific thing very well. He wasn't, he was trying to do more than I think he could handle on yeah. Justified. I didn't buy him as being any sort of a, a country badass mm-hmm. or the you know the main villain for that season right it's difficult to be a threat when you build your career on being dumb white men yes <laughs> yes i was excited for that season too because i love dewey crow and i was like yeah. there's gonna be more of his family that's great yeah yeah um and you know, we watching it. It's fine. I don't. I, it's not terrible. It's still enjoyable. It's just in you know, in retrospect, it definitely stands out as the weakest. I believe. Right. Like, there are definitely there are episodes like um, Alan Tudyk's in the one episode that oh, yeah. season is, is awesome. I was like, why couldn't he be exactly. the main bad guy that season? Or the uh, the Harris brothers. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They were fantastic, but they're only in like two episodes. Exactly. Did you feel like they were constantly trying to, especially after season three, did you feel like that that they had started breaking an idea, but always trying to right the ship towards the end? Because it, it felt like, you know, what they could have done with the Boyd and Raylan thing was something that they bookended, that they thought about, oh, it's going to... It began the show, it's one of those fan-favorite things that run through the show, Right. but we haven't had enough closure with this. Let's make this this whole season's... This whole last season's point. Do you think that they were trying to write the ship, or do you think that it was a, a good idea to... I, I always kind of had it in my head that that was the way it was going to end. Like, I feel like it did. It, it started with Boyd and Raylan, so it made sense to end that way. Yeah. Um, I mean, they. it definitely was a bounce back from, from 5 to 6. Right. But, I mean, five, 6 also had the Markham storyline, which, I mean, did incorporate Boyd into it, but True. was a new storyline just specific to that season True. and was a better storyline. True, yeah. I do like, um, I was talking to a friend of mine, I, I like how there's already kind of this shorthand that it seems like marijuana is already, like, on the verge of being legal the way that they talk about it in the show. Yeah. Like, they're talking about getting land so they can start these marijuana fields. Like, it's perfectly fine now. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it's going to (laughs) happen. We're ready for it. And they got Loretta. If it doesn't become yeah, legal, that's they're true. set. That's true. Let me ask you, overall, of, of now that you've seen the whole thing, and I'm sure that, that it, it probably will uh, be something that you reevaluate going forward, like when you, if you ever watch the whole show again or whatever. I could probably, I think I, I probably will watch the show again, just because yeah. it's, it's fun to watch. Yeah, yeah. It, it really is. What do you think... When you th- when you think of what it's what it is lacking, any sort of major criticism, what do you think come to mind? Um, it honestly it doesn't give you much to think about. Um, it's not a deep show. No, not at all. And I I think that honest is probably my biggest criticism for it. But I I don't hold it against the show in any way because I don't think it was ever trying to be something that you really had to think about. Yeah. 
But, I mean, that's why I probably won't hold it as highly as I do some other shows. Um, I mean, The Wire is my favorite show of all time. Yeah, yeah. Not Hard particularly to... surprising, yeah, yeah, but, right. I mean, it's outstanding. Mm-hmm. And there's so much to unpack in that show. But, uh, I like, but I, I don't think, like, I mean, I like Justified less than that, but I don't, I, it's not, uh, it's a weird way to put it. It's, it's a knock against it, but I don't, like, hate it because right. it's not there. Right. Like, yeah. I, I love Justified for what it is. Yeah. And what it is is very, very entertaining, like, crime, down backcountry crime thriller. Right, yeah, yeah. It's interesting to me, like, whenever we would um, split hairs talking to friends or whatever about um, shows that were... Um, always being compared to The Wire. At at the end of it, I kept like saying, why are we always comparing something to something else? The Wire is fantastic in and of itself. It's it's really um, uh, well developed. It's deep. It's layered, like you're saying, and all that. Uh, but Breaking Bad is too. And yeah. in a way, you know, you can compare apples and oranges. Breaking Bad is in a different way as uh, deep and layered and, and plotted and, and written well and all that stuff. Absolutely. So it's really a question of, you know, what are you watching this show for? You Are you watching it for uh, a deep understanding, something that you're going to be thinking about much later? Or are you watching it because it's, it's entertaining to you, like most commodities, most of the things that we absorb? Right, I mean, the, how I how I go into it, like, The Wire wouldn't be my favorite show of all time if it, I didn't find it entertaining. Absolutely. On top of the, of the fact that I think it's incredibly exactly. interesting. Like, exactly. that's what I'm going for when I go into a television show. Exactly. I want it to just be entertaining. I want it to be good entertainment. When it can go past that yeah, yeah. and reach those next levels, like something like The Sopranos, Breaking Bad, or The Wire, like, that's when I was like, like you, you take a step back and say, all right, this show's working on a different level. Uh-huh. I need to really, you know, start digging into this. Right. But if a show is just going to peek out and just mean like this is solid entertainment, yes. you know what you're getting into. Every episode, you're going to have a fun 42 minutes. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah, I don't have a problem with yeah. that. I'm with you. And man, was that last scene of Justified? Amazing. I was fantastic. Mm-hmm. I was absolutely uh, that scene with uh, Boyd and, and Raylan uh, in the prison. Yeah. We we dug coal together. That's yeah. fantastic stuff. Really, really good. Especially because like if you just those two actors, Oliphant right. and and Goggins, it's like the it's the best work of either one of those careers. I agree. I agree. And I mean Goggins is fantastic in the Shield too. Superb. Yeah. yeah. Um, when I but, saw him in the Shield, I was like, that motherfucker is going to either be in a, a, a string of really good movies or another really great series. And he went right from the shield <laughs> to justify. Exactly. exactly. And, was, and was good enough to save his life after the pilot. Yeah, yeah. Considering he was supposed to die then. Man, can you imagine that show without... It's almost like, how do you imagine uh, Lost without Jack if he was killed in the pilot? Right, too? or, you know, Breaking Bad without mm-hmm. Jesse. Yes. It's like he was supposed exactly. to die in the first season. Like, I, it's crazy to even think about. Like, I don't know what a justified without Boyd would look not like. At not at all. That's like 45% of the show that would just be missing. That yeah. entire like world. Just... Yeah. I think about that arc too, man. His fucking arc as a, as a character, even when it was relegated to the background, it was, it was great whenever he popped up when he's like, uh-huh. you know, being a preacher out in the backwoods. <laughs> yeah, again, yeah. Yeah. All of that stuff. That whole, that whole arc and, and, you know, at the end of it, it is a show that that is very entertaining, and you put Boyd as kind of the 
the big bad. I like that this last season, <laughs> as as lovable as Boyd is, and he is a fan favorite through and through. Absolutely. When you have, I think it was either the first or second episode, you have them reminding us that he's got swastikas on his body. And yeah. That he's just... I felt like a lot of this last season was like, all right, we need to remind you that exactly. Boyd is the villain. Yeah. I mean, the season, you know, the premiere is him sh- killing Dewey Crow. Right, right. And then, you know... He does some terrible stuff. This yeah, yeah. He, he, turning on his own men, killing his, killing own, his own men, men killing a, a dude that was obviously cool with helping him out in the truck, you know? Yeah, he would have killed Ava if uh-huh. there were bullets in that gun. Yep. Like, they reminded us that, yes, he is the villain yep. in the story. But uh, I can't help but like him. It's just... It's great. They write him so well, and Goggins delivers those lines yeah. so, so well. Yeah, he's great. So overall, I think that that show has definitely got its its legacy. I do like that it it does marry people who are um, looking for um, or or big fans of Breaking Bad and The Wire and so on and so forth. But I see this. I, I see family members being able to talk about it on Facebook and really enjoy the show on a surface level too. So when you can make that much broad appeal, absolutely, I think it's it has an extremely broad appeal and. Um... I don't know the ratings for it specifically, but I don't think it was ever a huge show for yeah, FX. Um, I just feel like maybe that's because the streaming rights are exclusive now to Amazon Absolutely. Prime and not Netflix. Absolutely. Because, I mean, that's why Breaking Bad blew up in the last eight episodes. You're goddamn right, it was, yeah. It was all Netflix. Yeah. I've been noticing more and more about that business behind it because... I was waiting for the longest time for season three of Louis to finally come out. And they relegated that to a really cheap bargain basement DVD. They didn't even bring out the Blu-ray. No. So I was like wondering, why are they doing that? And they're doing the same thing with uh, Simpsons now. Simpsons is not going to yep. continue on DVD. Uh, it doesn't look like they have any plans of putting the Americans out on uh, on Blue or DVD. I haven't seen the second season even. I'm pretty sure the second season is out is it? just on DVD. Yeah. I have not seen it anywhere. Yeah, but I think I saw it like on Amazon. Right, like it's available, but not yeah, not on Blu-ray. Right. So you start seeing kind of where these flagship shows are because at least Justified seems like it's as flagshipy as it can be. That it has its own, you know, blues coming out. It has its own like complete series probably coming out. The right. only people that that. Do it on a on a consistent commodity basis, and it's probably because HBO has so many subscribers, and it, you know, blowing up the way that it does, especially with HBO now finally being out. Right. I, I th- those are the only shows that I see that are consistently they do think of of physical home media as well as streaming. But it seems like especially FX, as, yeah. especially now with uh, if you get an HBO show now. You get if you buy the Blu-rays, you get the Blu-rays, the DVDs, yes. and digital copies of yeah, all yeah. of them. Exactly, it's crazy. Exactly, <laughs> and then like True Detective, when it did come out, I do remember it was like eighty bucks for a three-disc set for eight hours. <laughs> yeah, for eight hours of a program. ten dollars an hour. It's pretty pretty expensive. It's, it's, um, it's high. <laughs> let, let's let's shift gears and talk about the Americans. So, okay. the Americans is a much deeper trudge of a show because it is I think it's easy to scare someone away when your plot is a slow burn but I think slow burn shows are probably more rewarding in the long run 
I think like you could sell the show to somebody well, and then once they start watching it, they may be like, "Well, what the hell am I watching?" Exactly. Like the the basic, you know, the grab for it, you know, it's Soviet spies undercover as Americans yep. in America in the 1980s at the peak of the uh, Cold War. Uh-huh. That's what got me into the show. I was yeah. like, that's a great hook. I'll no, watch fantastic. it. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. And then I, the show I got was not what I was expecting, but I fucking love it. <laughs> Expand on that a little bit. How do you mean? How do you mean? I, I mean, I went into it. Um, all right, so it's a. I went into it, it's going to be a spy television right. show. Obviously, it's not going to be as high tech as something like Homeland, but I guess Homeland might have been like a base point or maybe something like Twenty Four. Um, just the other spy shows I can recall on uh, recall of on television, and what you get is a show. That honestly is probably more interested in like what it means to be married, what it's like to raise kids, like the difference between you know truth and and uh, mm-hmm. lies, mm-hmm. and just like the toll of this, like the toll of being a spy. Yeah, it's more about like, all right, he does, they do something, they spend more time on like what that means to the person than what like yeah. the cool thing that he does. Yeah, all right, it's. I, there is nothing quite like the Americans, and I love it for that. It, I like that you said it's about those relationships because it is almost like a domesticated drama, um, with how it's r- relating to that that family uh, with Matthew Reese and um, I can't remember Carrie Russell, Carrie Russell, and then also with <laughs> the next door neighbor who's an FBI agent with with a a crumbling right. apart family himself. And you yeah, and you you watch the pilot, which is probably one of the more action heavy episodes of the show. Yeah. And, you know, and it's got, you know, the typical TV thing, like, oh, their next-door neighbor's an FBI agent. Drama. (laughs) Drama's gonna happen. And then just the way they, like, they get it over with fast. He stands, suspects them Mm -hmm. in the first episode, and after that, never again. Yeah. Yeah. They get past that right away. Yeah. There's Um, not a lot. It doesn't feel like there is... They deal with what you would expect... In a, in a very organic way. I kind of think of the way that Breaking Bad did, too. You expect that this is going to be the cause and effect. This right. happens. This is probably going to happen next. This. So with that show, what you expect to happen from the pitch, Soviet spies living in America, you know, undercover. They, they do that, but they do it in a way that kind of exposes it and then builds on top of it with the FBI agent. With the secret, li- uh, the secret lives, uh, Matthew Reese has to be this character that it not only wears a lot of different identities, but acts in a lot of different identities. He has a a woman that he's wooing to try to right. get into the FBI. And I mean, like even even in his home life, that is also an act. Yes. Except for when him and Elizabeth are by themselves. Yes. Right. Like when he's interacting with his kids, that's still, that's another personality he's putting yeah. on. Yeah, yeah. That guy, man, I gotta tell you, I never saw him in anything though. Yeah. But he is one of the best like internal actors I've ever seen. Like the shit that he deals with. <laughs> Uh, just, just on his face. It's his just, facial expressions yeah. are incredible. Yeah, uh, and the I guess they realized what they had in that actor because yeah. they just keep giving him stuff that like was just tearing him down inside yeah. and just letting his face tell you that exactly. It's it's yeah I know and especially like 
Like and then his performance on top of that is is great. Like, mm-hmm. have you heard like interviews with him? Yeah, yeah. He's his thick Welsh, that Welsh accent. accent yeah. The second I heard him talk, I was like, wait a second, he's yeah, yeah. not American. They had a great they had a great episode of Archer with yeah. him as a a Welsh agent, a double double agent. Yeah, it was great. No, I had no idea who was Welsh until uh-huh. I saw an interview with him. I was like, wow. Exactly, exactly. He is he is a really cultivated actor, and I, I do like that you also say that he's dealing with that at home because a part of the draw of it is that you're not just seeing kind of a realistic depiction of a marriage when on the outside, especially in Reagan's America, you would expect the marriage and the family unit to be of a certain type of happiness. And this has to be about, you know, um, um, material possession and, and, you know, yuppies and all of that stuff. Right. But to see that plague on the inside, not only are they under that layer of being spies undercover as an American family or American couple, but the fact that there really isn't that much love or 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 the 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 milestones of a relationship between them that they have to kind of build that themselves right and especially i mean it kind of the season, the show starts with like the first time in this relationship it feels like they've actually started to like maybe feel things for each other exactly. and they and it is a great point to start for but they had to have been together for you know how old is it? Was the six, it was the sixties when they came to America together. So, so it was like twenty, 20 years. years. Yeah. And they finally have reached the point where like they're truly becoming intimate exactly. with each other and and it just keeps getting fucked up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and you add on top of that the fact that Philip is definitely leans more American and yeah. ideologies than, uh, I, than Elizabeth does. I love this part of it because she is She's obviously so committed she, to the ideology of it that absolutely. she's willing to to really work anything, mutate anything to get that that end uh, the, to meet that end. The way I see it is like, all right, if if Elizabeth has to kill someone in the show, uh-huh. it's for the country. I can't feel bad about it. I have to do this. Philip kills someone. Yeah. It's the last thing he wants to do. He never wants to kill anyone. Yeah. It's the last, like, the absolute last thing. Like, the opener for season two. Yes. Addressed that so well. Yes. So the... His... He's having a meeting mm-hmm. with um, the uh, the Afghanistan war is building up right. historically at this point in the in the show. And uh, he's having a meeting with uh, two Afghani uh, they soldiers or yes or yeah. yeah. Um, and he, you know, he he's on another like good old boy Texas disguise. Exactly. Um, and he uh, takes out one of the guys, and the the other guy rips his wig off. Which, which is kind of great because I always thought like how well or how does it keep it on? How yeah? do they keep those wigs on? And right. then that you know showed you how much glue they probably right. put in right. there. The well, this how many a, pins are put this into recent it. episode where he reveals himself to uh, takes him like ten minutes yeah, to take all the take pins the clips off. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and then you know a bus boy in the kitchen yes. sees him without his wig on. Exactly. <sighs> And he has to kill him. That's a, that, fucking, that fucking scene, I really was on the edge of my seat like, okay, he's got some humanity in him. He's going to let this go. Absolutely. And yeah. then you just see the kid fly against yeah. the wall. Yeah, yeah, 
There is and then that. him breaking down in the car right afterwards. Exactly, exactly. I think that, you know, uh, since we already you know flagged for spoilers, I, I think it's interesting, that arc, because obviously this series, uh, season three uh, finale, seeing the toll that that's taken on him to this point, and especially that last really innocent bystander kid that he fakes his suicide and he's writing that suicide note, you can see how that's eating away with him just sitting there in his apartment. Yeah, and he's trying to get it out. He's trying to tell someone, mm-hmm. and then Ronald Reagan comes on exactly. the television, and Elizabeth could care less what exactly. he has to say. Exactly. Because Reagan's saying that Russia's an evil empire. Exactly. All of those things that, uh, that Matthew Reese is, is doing this season, it's, um, there's all this, this, there's all this kind of fracturing, too, with the way that he relates to his daughter Paige. He wants her to, to be happy and be an American girl. Um, yeah, I mean, he is strictly adamant. Again. He did not want her to know in the slightest. Yeah. He wanted her to grow up. She was born an American. Right. She's an American citizen. Right. Let her live a normal life right. because he hates the life that he's living right now. Yeah. He doesn't want his kids to go through that yeah. because of the hell it causes. Right. Especially when you, you learn, like, we get the flashback to, like, the sex training they had yeah. to go through. Yeah, yeah. That is crazy. Exactly. They, have to be, they have to be ready to have sex with a man, a woman, any type of sexual perversion, fetish. Any age. Mm-hmm. like Exactly. Whatever the situation you have to be ready for, which is, you know, relayed back with his storyline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With Kimmy. Yeah, with which the teenage is, girl. I don't think I've felt so uncomfortable by yeah, a storyline yeah. in a television show. Absolutely. And I loved it. I loved how uncomfortable I felt. Absolutely. I just every scene I was just like how far is this going to go? Exactly. How far is this going to go? And it's just the way it relates back to uh it just completely parallels Paige being at home. Yeah. Absolutely. Like this whole thing with Paige is so interesting to me because whenever communism was talked about in my home especially it was always how communists are not religious and i have i cannot think of an example to give you where you haven't had this thing flipped on its head where the kid who wants to be religious and go to church and pray is actually the threat to the family. Right? That never happens. Absolutely you can not. See the, it's the kid revolting from that that's the problem. Exactly. But no, yeah, this is, the, this is the show that says this girl wants to go to church and they're like, no. No, no. Yeah. It's the worst thing you could ever possibly do. Exactly. It's like she's doing drugs or something. Exactly. But it's no, as she just wants to pray. Carrie Russell's reaction to that it was like she was doing drugs and you know engaging in prostitution right it's the worst thing they could she could possibly do right now one of the biggest like mind blowers is um, I think it I think it's the last scene of one of the episodes where her pastor is being um, uh, confronted by her father by Matthew Reese and it yeah. seems like he has a gun and he I might that have scene killed was him. going on I think Thought he that pastor was getting killed right yeah. there. Yeah. Oh yeah, I remember that distinctly. But I think that that is part of that fracturing too. I think the reason he uh, let up on the pastor a bit is because he sees what th- that th- that that pastor is trying to do good in her life. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, it finally clicked in his head that, like, all right, this isn't as bad 
as it may seem. Well, we don't believe these things, but it's not going to hurt her exactly. to do it, to believe in it. Um, and yeah, I mean, this is the season where Paige finds out that they exactly. are Russian spies. Due How to amazing was that fucking episode, man? I, I, I turned it off and I was like, my face is melted off. I, especially because I was not expecting it. Yeah. Uh, the way it had been building, it was just, you know, this this show is so deliberately slow paced, but yeah, in yeah. a perfect way. I wouldn't I wouldn't change it. Yeah. Um, because I, I went into the season and I was like, all right, they're, she's probably going to find out this season. But because it just felt like that's where they were bouncing off of from last year. Um, it, I thought it could have been early in the season, but by the as we were getting later and later, I was like, it'll probably be the finale because mm-hmm. that's the finale thing to do. Right. But no, in the middle of like the tenth episode, in the middle of the episode, mm-hmm. not it, like yeah, yeah. they leave a solid twenty minutes after yeah, that yeah. just for the like the fallout of yeah, that yeah. event. Yeah, yeah. How do you, how do you what what is the next day? What's the the reaction? Right, to we, yeah, like where where do you go from there? Uh-huh. Like that scene happened, I was just like, "What lie are they going to tell her?" I was exactly. just like, what, what are they going to tell her? They, they're not going to tell her the Russian thing. They can't. Exactly. And they did. I was like, "Holy crap!" Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm really surprised where it's going because obviously this season ends with both Matthew Reese not being sure about his commitment to Sparkle Motion, that is uh, the USSR, yeah. and, and kind of the violence that he has to do, but also uh, Paige obviously uh, telling her secret to her pastor. Right. Um, I think that it's interesting seeing where the show is coming this season because there's a lot of... With the with them telling her that they're Soviet spies, you thought that maybe, the, especially with all this thing being talked about, how they wanted to bring in one of their children into the the ring of being a spy, also. And Paige was the candidate that the uh, residentor or the the um, what do they call that the um, the council or whoever they, right. their 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 handler said that this is probably the best um, idea. Again, another show that has Max Bennett in it, which yeah. is fantastic. Absolutely, and, uh, and now Franklin Jello. Now Franklin Jello. <laughs> and they but, had a scene together. That scene at the diner yeah, was so good. Yeah, I super, wanted that to last so much longer superb. than like I want, three minutes. I want a spinoff. I want a spinoff show. It's just but, them eating food. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, but no, knowing where this this season was and and kind of how they they handled this juggling of this focus on this child is this child gonna know and here is all of this responsibility and oh come with me and see my mother one last time before she dies and all that stuff right all of these things that are supposed to kind of connect this girl to her true family and realize that you know these aren't lies here is below the surface here but is the truth but it's just it's she has the responsibility she has the responsibility of lying now and she doesn't like that right yeah no she she's forced into her parents positions yeah and she she can't do it. She doesn't want to do yeah, it. Yeah. It's you know it's too much. Yeah, I think the show overall, especially with this season, it's it's obvious that the show um, does what really great shows do. It's it it builds. Like as soon as you think, well, this is a great fucking episode. There is a greater episode on the horizon. Once you say this is a great season, there is a greater season on the horizon. It does that thing where it builds and gets better and better. Absolutely. I've liked each consecutive season of this show more. Right. Um, I do. I think that maybe in season three, um, there are more 
um, side plots that didn't get as yes. fully resolved as yeah, there yeah. were in season two. Yeah. But um, I just I was like, the the way they ended it, it I mean, it's not going to, it can't really jump too much forward from there. So I was like, right. these plot lines are just going to extend. Yeah, yeah. You have your main arc, and then you have all these so, small side stories that are seeded multiple, they're just going to be multiple season yeah. arcs. I, they've, the, what they've paid off has paid off so well that I have enough faith in them that these smaller storylines will. Absolutely. Like, especially the one thing I was, I was a little upset about about the finale is that there was no Martha in it, especially exactly. after that huge uh, moment. Exactly, exactly, exactly. I, I want to know where that's going. That exactly. last scene with him, Philip, finally revealing himself uh-huh. as, as Philip, not right. Clark. Right. <sighs> that's not completely clear to me either. Does she know? She knows that he is not who he originally said he was, she, but does she know that he's Soviet? I don't know if she knows she's Soviet, yeah. but she. Like, when she confronts him about the bug... Right. Like, she definitely knows that he is not who he's saying he is. Originally, that he was in another department that needed this information. Because the department that he says he's in, the guy shows up. Right, right. Um, Yeah, she she definitely knows that it wasn't... uh, that he's not who saying who he says he was, but, but whether she knows the full the full extent, I don't right. know. And I mean, he Philip killed that guy in the finale to keep her safe, exactly. And I, I mean, I, I it's trading one death for another, exactly. Because who knew, yeah. Like killing Martha would probably hit him ten times harder than it right. would have this this other guy, right? Like I mean, he's doing everything he can to keep her alive. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he is. I <laughs> I really wonder what it what it's gonna be because it seems like Martha. Martha's a, you know Martha is one of those characters that is a slow burn in herself. You don't yes. expect that she's gonna be as complex a character. She's introduced as like this is one of those disguises Philip has to put on. Right. You know she's in the FBI office. He gets some information from mm-hmm. her. They have weird sex. Sure. The weird. <laughs> That's how she's introduced. Yes. But every progressive season, every ep- like every episode she's in, you get a little bit deeper. They have Elizabeth as you know Clark's sister. Gets to meet her, and uh-huh. they've fleshed that relationship out Secret more marriage. and more. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. There's these elements to her that you realize that she's she's a, a hurt person. She builds on this idea of um, she's not the most beautiful woman, and they do this thing where she's obviously got esteem issues that Clark plays on. Absolutely. She's, a, she's an incredibly lonely person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because she's like... Seeing Clark as little as she does is enough for her, almost in a way. Yeah, that so, connection, right? Because I mean, well, I mean, we don't know how many times he does see her, but it doesn't appear to be that often. Right, right. and like, how often does he stay over? You know, right? Um, and like, that's enough to keep her. Like, she doesn't really have friends that we're introduced to. Yeah, it's just work and Clark when he's over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she she has to keep Clark a secret. It's like. How much she's desperate for that attention mm-hmm. when it's there. Mm-hmm. That she's like willing to bend to all of these things. Absolutely. Yeah, this push and pull certainly is like he's constantly trying to do just enough to keep her, you know, on board with it. Right. And when she rebels and when it constantly happens that it seems like something is going to get, you know, thrown up in the air, that's when he has to do, you know, it's like a game of chess. He has to, you know, make the next move. And to this point now, she's almost a, a co-conspirator in this whole Absolutely, thing. Yeah. 
now that she's aware of the of the bug she's aware of even how they might be searching for for her her love for her for her man right and she, um, she wasn't in the office in the finale so <laughs> but yeah it's interesting where she is um as a as a character especially as their relationship develops i find that to be one of the biggest draws of the show let's talk about maybe where some of the criticisms of the show can be okay if it's lacking at all i just want to pick your brain if you do if sure. you if you agree or not how do you feel about the stan beeman nina connection that was built in in the first season it seems like Stan as an FBI agent was uh, luring in a uh, Rus- a Russian residentura what was she she was like a secretary she was a secretary but then uh, so she she basically everybody loved Nina exactly everyone did <laughs> um, there was this whole thing of of making her kind of a, a double agent a spy someone that was going to feed Stan information about what was going on with the Russians right. and then much like uh, uh, Ava Crowder in the last season of Justified there was kind of this this flip flop where she wanted to uh, to reclaim her uh, her her Soviet. Uh, um, re- respect and kind of yeah. be a double agent for them and kind of feed Stan the wrong information. Right. And of course there's a fallout of this because obviously the plan that she had, I think was it in season two when this happened? Yes. Where it didn't work out and so she's being she's, she's sent back to Russia. Yeah. What do you think about where it started? Where it ended up? Are you still on board with it? It was a major motivation for Stan Beeman this season to get her back. I I buy that relationship. Okay. I think those two actors were good enough. They sold it. Um what what could be said of uh of I buy all right. I'm totally behind Stan's motivation for wanting to get her back. Um but then her still being used in this season... I mean, she has been used sparingly, and I'm guessing there has to be a greater plan for her. I would her. hope. I would because hope. right now, she's not really doing much. Right. She got the information on the one girl who was in her cell, and they're right. like, now we want you to get information on this guy. Right, the just, uh, nuclear... Yeah, the nuclear scientist. Scientist. Right. Which I don't even really completely understand what where that plot is going. Or That is probably my biggest complaint with the Americans. As good as it is, there are side characters and side plots that will show up in an episode, and I will just be like, wait, what is happening yeah. right now? Who yeah. is this person... Yeah, and how do they relate to what's going on? Yeah, right what now? is this developing into? Like, I understand slow burn, but I, when every when every episode this season, whenever they would go to her and this nuclear scientist, it was just like, oh, let's look around. Oh, there are Russian people here. Let's speak uh, English. Oh, we're by ourselves now. We can just talk by ourselves. But there's this developing relationship. But it was just hitting the same points every time. It was yeah. like. You know, oh, I I was betrayed by my country, and and you guys brought me back here to to work on this. But what exactly is being developed here, plot wise? I just don't understand. Right, and um, and and in other ways, where like the show still likes to throw in like an episodic like spy mission for them to do. Sure, yeah, yeah. Like um, 
the most in one of the more recent ones, there's the uh, the Afghani yes. that they talk to, right. who they convinced to turn on his uh, his comrades, mm-hmm. but like. He's just in that one episode for that one right. scene. I was just like, they're relying on it as a as a big moment, but it was just, it's I, just introduced there, or or say like the guy who uh, they set on fire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, Th- there's those elements of of people popping up to to do that that I just I don't understand what the the grand scheme of it is. It it could fit like. This is this is the type of shit that they have to do as right. They spies. just they just have to do this right. stuff. But then you have an episode where they were breaking into that power plant or whatever, and that old lady uh, and Carrie Russell had that scene, and you can see so much mirroring in in Carrie Russell what this old you know firecracker of a of a woman who who seems like you know she's had loss in her life with her husband right. dying and everything, but she seems like someone that that just like with with philip having to kill that innocent guy at the end of this last episode that she's you you see you see that that dichotomy she's killing someone uh and she realizes that 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 she has to do it quote unquote right i mean those are those are the side stories in the show that work the strongest yeah as opposed to the ones where it's just like here are these characters just for for this episode like they have the ongoing ones they have philip's relationship with the the teenage girl Mm -hmm. they have um elizabeth and her friend from aa who who like that's still building oh yeah yeah right that storyline's still going and i feel like if they focused on more of just those ongoing subplots then more of these one-off subplots, it might it might ring a little stronger. Yeah, I and agree. it's a, it's a small knock against the show mm-hmm. because everything around it, the the narrative thrust and the seasonal arcs are yeah yeah, they're what ring stronger. And when they nail those moments, they nail those moments. Absolutely. Is that your biggest criticism of the of the show? What Probably. Yeah, I would say I would say so because I mean, mm. on pretty much every other level, like the acting is. Phenomenal, right? Uh, yeah, their their use of music when they use like music is is outstanding, and their son's Eddie Murphy impression is yes. Per- no, it's not. Like, yeah, his laugh, and then he was talking about Mr. Robinson. I love it. Um, one last question about this: Do you feel like this show is the um, the best currently on television? If you compare, are there are there shows that you, a handful of shows that you compare it to that are in that same pool right now, even if they're not currently running like their own hiatus or whatever? I would say it's probably one of my five favorite television shows on okay. right now. It would be Speed of the Americans. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Hannibal is outstanding. Hannibal's great. Mm-hmm. Um, I really love Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I could throw Better Call Saul in there yet, but that first season was awesome. Right, right. It was very, There's... very good first season, but I want to see where it goes next. Yeah, it yeah. Was I'm short, with it. it was a short season. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's finding its own. The thing about Better Call Saul too is that it's finding its own um, pacing too. I love that they have dialogue scenes that seem like they're like seven, eight, ten minutes. Yeah, absolutely. I love the pacing of that show. Yeah, they just they let they let the dialogue breathe and go, mm-hmm. and the scenes keep go. The scenes go at their own pace, right? Which is great. Um, 
What else would I put on that list? Now I have to think about it. There's so much old. How do, how do you feel about comparing a show that's so plot-heavy to a show that's so character-heavy, a uh, character-oriented like Mad Men? Because that show is, it's 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 it has plot. It definitely has a plot, but it's so its thrust is so character oriented. It's so about a character arc. Yes. In so many ways. Um, do you love? Here's sub question: Do you like character oriented or do you like plot oriented stuff? I like both. Okay, so if they can mix it well. Yeah, if they can mix it well, it's great. I I, I do. I really like both. I mean. Breaking Bad is plot and character. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the more you get into it, there's, you know, so much plot going oh, on. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, right. I mean, the ones that can blend it the most are the, probably my favorites, but I th- also think Mad Men's probably one of the best shows ever made, and that sure. is pretty much just character. Yeah, yeah. And uh, now, when it comes down for how I'm going to judge those, I guess it's just a personal preference sort of thing. Right. It's right. just kind of how it breaks. Again, down. it's hard to compare apples and oranges. When yeah, both if I, like if I pick great. like my ten favorite shows of a year, mm-hmm. like I all love them probably almost all equally. Right. right. Like uh, last year, I was blown away by Fargo. Yeah. I Jesus Christ! Cannot wait for that show. Jesus to come Christ! Back. Cannot wait for that show to come back. So good. Yeah, that is a show that I had so little expectation for. And blew me away within uh, not just the, the the pilot was amazing in and of itself. Yeah, but in I would say probably in the first three episodes, I was like, "This is the best show I've seen." Uh, it's outstanding. I mean, I remember. All right, they announced Fargo as a TV show, and I was like, "That yeah. is so unnecessary. Right. Why right. are they doing this?" Right. Then all the casting news came out. I was like, "Well, that's a really good cast." Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> and then when I found out, I was like, "All right, it's not a remake of the movie. It's just in the same universe." Right. And then when you get to whatever episode they when they reveal that it is a sequel to the movie, right, right. And I guess that's what every season's going to be now. It's just following the money. Is the right. Connector. The, the next one's the prequel, right? The next one goes back to the uh, 19- yeah. It's um, Lou uh, yeah. Salverson as a as when he was younger, right. During um, that Sioux City massacre that they that they, they mentioned, mentioned quite a right. few yeah quite a few times and now the cast for that season is ridiculous yeah, yeah, yeah. Bruce Campbell's playing Reagan yeah yeah no that that alone <laughs> that alone will get you to watch yeah. no I, I I think it was interesting just to to talk about the Americans and justify because I think they are two great examples of how great television is and it's constantly this thing that we we come back to that. We're so oversaturated with media as it is, um, but it's great to be in such a fucking heyday that your choice, your problem is, what do I watch next? Not, you know, I wish there was a good show to watch, which would be completely different. You know, I want, I, I wish there was a great movie uh, to watch in a, you know, in a morass of not many good movies, but. There are a lot of great TV shows, and it's just about finding the time to fucking watch right. them. Right. There's an overwhelming amount of good television shows on right now. Um, yeah, I, I have to keep track of all the television shows I watch. Yeah, yeah. So that, like, I know. I'm just like, oh, yeah, I watch this, I watch yeah. this, I watch this. It, it's it's ridiculous how much is on right now. I And since I, like, got heavily into TV, like, I just keep adding stuff every year. yeah, yeah. Because every year there's something new that's like just as great as everything else that's on. Does anything else uh, um, uh, get thrown to the back because you're into D- into TV so much? Any other interest? Any other media that you really like? Do films 
benefit from from this or not? Do you get enough time to watch the movies that you want to watch? Yes. Okay. I mean, there are always movies that I want to watch. And there always will be. That will always be the case. Because sure. I will never have enough time to watch all the yeah, movies yeah. I want to watch. Right. Um, but the ones that I, I like... I make time for the ones I want to see. And I, I can make time... Uh, I can make time for the television shows as well. Yeah. Um, I just... I. The way I keep on top of it is I can't let myself fall behind. Because if I hard. do, yeah. then I, 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 like, if I fall behind on something, I'm done. I mean, like, I started watching Gotham this year. Mm-hmm. Gotham's not a good show. I fell behind on it, and I, I'm done. I, I mean, I'm not going to go back to it. Yeah, it's hard it's, to get back up on it. Like, but I, that's more so of a mixture of just, like, the show isn't good enough to warrant me jumping right. into right. it. Like, I, I would have stayed up on it if I... If I was if it stayed up on it, I probably would have still been watching it. But I'm eight episodes behind. No, yeah. it's not that good. It's when you start noticing your DVR is just you know filling up with shows, and you're yeah. like, you know, I don't, I don't. Do I feel it. really the gut instinct to watch this when I you know want to watch last night's Game of Thrones or whatever? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, exactly. It's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Why don't you tell the people where they can get you, Sean? Do you have any plugs you want to you want to say here at the end? Sure. Um, um, you can find me on Twitter as at Sean Movie Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, my letterbox account is also Sean Movie Man. Definitely check that out. You'll like uh, you'll like Sean's taste. If you if you if you listen to this show and you like art, my taste when I'm talking with someone, you're gonna love Sean's taste. Sean definitely is is he's a he, he casts a wide net. Yeah, there's not a whole lot I won't say. Yeah. <laughs> I, I will I will see most anything. Yeah, yeah. Um and then yeah, the the Hollywood Huddle podcast, which you can find in iTunes, I believe it's on Stitcher. Uh and yeah, the website is uh at LKT LKTowson.org. And those episodes are usually out Wednesdays or Thursdays. Weekly show? Yeah. Well we try to do it weekly. It's kind of a bi weekly recently but yeah. just time things but sean thank you so much dude i absolutely. appreciate it, it was i had fun. a good good conversation with it was you, good man. hope you come back on again absolutely on this lonely road trying to make it home doing it by my lonesome pissed off who wants some i'm fighting for my soul god get you boy you try to go god fall back i go hard on this lonely road trying to make it home doing it by my lonesome pissed off who wants some Son, prepared to kill, son. Paradox of pain, baby, it's real, son. Lonely traveler, ain't trying to value you. But if you're feeling tough, dog, I walk up all challenges. Ain't got no family, uh, you see, there's one of me. Might lose your post, standing two feet in front of me. I'm pissed at the world, but I ain't looking for trouble. I might crack a grin, I ain't looking to hug you. Think about it, nobody wants to die. There's rule to this game, son, uh, I'm justified. I'm ready to go, partner. I'm on the run, the devil's hugging on my boots, that's why I own the gun This journey's too long, I'm looking for some answers So much time stressing, I forget the questions I fear no man, you don't want no problems Be eyes in the back of my head, you better not follow me On this lonely road, trying to make it home Doing it by my lonesome, pissed off, who wants some? I'm fighting for my soul, God get you boy You try to go, God fall back, I go hard On this lonely road